turn to the book of Jude, which is near the end of the Bible. If you go to Revelation, you're one book short. Uh, Just go to your left and you'll find the book of Jude, very small, small book, about 25 verses. Uh, On Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Jude. We saw uh, the introduction in the first two verses uh, that Jude gives us. So then we saw uh, really the exhortation that Jude was giving to the church uh, in verses 3 and 4. And then we saw the illustrations, uh, and that was a tough one. <laughs> For me, it was pretty tough. All, what, 13 of them in verses 5 through 16. Um, and, and now, today, we're going to see the instructions uh, that are given to us. Now, at first, it seems a little tough, and then it just gets way better. It's like the ultimate, uh, the best part at the end, and I, I love it. So let's just jump in, if you guys don't mind. If you got your Bibles, look at Jude chapter 1. Uh, well, there's only one chapter, right? Verse 17, uh, it says, in verse 17, and this is where we left off, uh, it says, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. There are, there, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen, church. I love those last two verses. It's like, ugh. Love it. Um, but these, these instructions that are given, uh, they're, they're seen by this word, and stick with me here, this word, but. Look at verse 17. It says, but you. And then notice, jump to verse 20. It says, but you. And then jump to verse 24. It says, now too. But it's basically the same word. You're like, wait a minute, that's, that's not the same word. The word but you and now to, it's actually in the Greek, it's the exact same word. Uh, and in verses 17 and 20. So the word but in verse 17 and 20, it's a, it's a word not given, giving us a, a contrast, you would say, but more so rather just giving us more additional information. So it's the word more also. Or more over. And so basically, in other words, it, Jude gave us an outline right here. So I don't even have to make it up. It's already, boosh, it's already there for us. So there's three instructions that are given to us uh, from verse 17, more also. And number two, in verse 20, it's more also. 
And then in verse 24, it's more also. So we're going to get three sections here, and that's how we're going to break this up tonight. Uh, There's three areas that Jude instructs us in. Moreover, remember, in verses 17 to 19. Moreover, build up, in verses 20 to 23. And moreover, Jesus, in verses 24 and 25. And I say moreover, but it's basically similar words. Um, Let's start with the first, where we're instructed to remember. Uh, Go back to verse 17, uh, and notice we're instructed to remember. It says, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, remember what? Right? What, What is he talking about here, right? The words of the apostles, these Well, in the context of verse 17, it's obviously, there was verse 16 before it, right? And it says in verse 16, these are grumblers, and it goes on to talk about that description of who these people are. But in the context, if you guys already read this book, um, go back to verse 4, and you'll realize these is referring to verse 4, which is talking about these certain men that have crept into the church. On notice, they, they creep in, but they're basically the false teachers. They're the, 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 the deceivers, and they creep in with their agenda, and they sneak in you know, a certain way. And the rest of the middle of this book is talking about their destruction, basically, and giving different illustrations on how much more so are they going to be uh, for sure, this is confident that they will be destroyed. So um, he's going to give us five things here. Uh, we are to remember here about these, well, these certain men in verses 19 to, or 17 to 19. The first is they are mockers. They're mockers. Look at verse 18. It says, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time. Now, this word mockers is really the same word used in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. That's actually the parallel passage. But there's only, that, that's the only two times in the Bible that this word is used. Right here and in 2 Peter 3, 3. So it carries the idea of having disdain or scoffing. And so the picture is these certain men, they mock everything and anything that is of, of the Lord. So they basically, anything that's holy, they just, they're, it's never a thumbs up, it's a thumbs down, right? They're the type of people that are on the news talking about anything negative about any subject. You, you get, we get enough of those, right? Um, and, and that's what these type of people are. That's, this is their character. This is what they do, the Bible says. And in verse 18, It gives us a timeline as it pertains to these mockers. It gives us the word last time. And that word last time carries the idea of the last days. And and the last time or the last days uh, really started at the birth of the church. If you guys remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit came down. It put Peter, he stood up. And, and this is after, you know, they, they received the Holy Spirit and uh, there's, you know, over 3,000 people. But he stood up and he quoted from the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. And he said in the last days that God would pour out his spirit and on all flesh. And, and uh, so that was the beginning, what was prophesied, right? So that at the day of Pentecost was prophesied. And it's going on until today and it's still going on. 
not until the rapture of the church, but until the second coming of the Lord, of Jesus coming to earth. So uh, that's the timeline, if you will, of the last days. So when you guys hear the word last days or end times, uh, really it's from the day of Pentecost all the way to the second coming of Jesus. So um, that's good to know, right? Um, secondly, uh, let's come to the second thing here. They are lustful. Look at verse 18. Kids, close your ears right now. <laughs> Watch out. Who would walk according to their own uh, ungodly lust? So lust simply means they are walking after their own desires, after their own wants. We all know what that is. So they're not walking after the Lord's will. They're walking after their own will, their own wants, their own desires. Uh, in other words, they're uh, whatever they want, right? They're, they're after the flesh, and they're laying in it for themselves. Uh, third, they are sensual. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot I have this. Somebody, the video guy, Mr. Thomas, actually told me to put the outline on here for you guys, so you could thank him later, and I forgot about it. So here we go. Here's the third one. Let's come to the third one. They are sensual. So in verse 19, these are sensual persons, um, this word sensual, by the way, is only used six times in the New Testament, and it just simply means natural, natural. So it's translated for us in um, 1 Corinthians 2.14 as the natural man, uh, and it speaks of only wanting or only living for the things that are natural. In other words, not the things that are spiritual, right? They, they can care less about anything spiritual. Their heart and their motive, their desire, their will is only in it for the natural, for whatever the flesh desires. What, what's in it for self, right? Like me, myself, and I. That's, that's what these guys are after. Number four they are divisive. Notice in verse 19, it says, who cause divisions. So when we look at these certain men who are these false teachers, obviously it's easily seen in their life that they, they cause division wherever they go, right? It's just like there's a fire behind them. There's all kinds of strife and right fighting and arguing, and they leave a trail behind them. And, and, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting um, the word here for divisions, it's only used here and nowhere else in the New Testament. Uh, the old King James, if you guys have the regular King James, I love it because it really gets it right. It says they have separated themselves. And I think that's an accurate translation. They've separated themselves from their relationship with the Lord. That's the picture that's really going on here because they're living after their own lust, right? And the worldly things. They're not living after the Lord's will, whatever God wants and desires of them. Uh, so they have, an inf- uh, in, uh, in effect, separated themselves from the love of God. And they don't want anything to do with us either, believe it or not. As When I say us, I mean referring to those who are believers, those who are the church. Um, they don't want to talk about the Bible, spiritual things, prayer, right? Um, to you, it's like, oh, right? We're talking about the works of the Spirit, and, and, uh, but they're only in it for their own desires, right? And, and they, they separate themselves from us. And some of you guys might know people like that. I know um, I moved into a, a new house, and uh, I don't know when that was, but there was a pastor that I met in the neighborhood 
And I was like, you're, because he, he, I don't introduce myself like that, right? I'm like, hey, my name's Josh, right? And, and I, but he's like, I'm pastor, right? Nice to meet I was like, whoa, you're a pastor? How cool. I was like, man, I am going to, I can't wait to get our Bibles together. And I got so much to talk about. And I was so excited. And uh, I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And immediately, he just did this. And then he just walked away. And I was like, whoa, that was straightforward like disrespectful and uh but it's his it's a different denominational thing and they're they're not supposed to pray with other christians who are not part of their group and they're not supposed to talk about the bible to other people unless you're part of their group and it was like i had no clue right here's me dummy me from arizona being like hey everybody (laughs) i came out here to wisconsin by the way from southern arizona and where i come from Man, we hug each other. We see each other in the store. We're like, what the hell's it going on? Get over here. And I came out here. I was like, hi, I'm Josh. And they're, they're like, whoa. <laughs> it was a big culture shock to me. But I had no clue when it came to doctrinal things. Like, I would actually see these things, you know. And there's actually people that are pastors. Uh, but when it comes to anything spiritual or biblical or even prayer, they don't even want anything to do with it. And it's like, but you're a pastor. I mean... What do you, what? That doesn't make sense. Anyways, it does if you're reading this, and it explains those type of people, which is scary. Um, anyways, um, you guys get the, the picture there. Um, let's come to the fifth thing is they have no spirit. Uh, in verse 19, it says, not having the spirit. So they're operating not only by the flesh, And living by the flesh, right? Because they don't have the Spirit of God living in them, right? If if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, well, John chapter 3 would say that you're not even born again, right? You gotta be born again, not only of the flesh, but of the Spirit. And so, uh, the, the, He's the seal of our salvation, right? Speaking of the Holy Spirit in us, um, we talked about that on Sunday. He's the guarantee uh, the, uh, the purchase of redemption that Christ has in us. It's amazing. Romans 8, 11, Acts 5, 32, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Uh, the, there's a whole bunch of scripture about Christ being in us, right? He's dwelling in us. And when the Holy Spirit is within us, we are saved. We're born again. And they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Therefore, they're not born again. They're operating in the flesh. They're living in the flesh. Duh, right? It's, it's what's going to happen. So this is super easy for you and I to see. Um, let's go over to the second, the, the second uh, portion of scripture tonight. I gotta slow down. I get, you guys, can you tell that I, I get pretty excited up here? Oh, I gotta take a breather. Um, it's moreover, build up in verses 20 to 23. Uh, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up. Uh, in verse 20, it, it, uh, it, so in addition to everything else I just told you, Moreover, right? That's the idea here. Build yourselves up. 
right? And this word build yourselves up, I thought it was interesting in the, in the Greek. It's a compound word, and it carries the idea of building a structure or building like a building. You know, and you get the blocks when you're a kid and you're starting to build, you know, this, the Lego tower and it's getting all huge. Um, but it's, it's an idea is building this tower, building this foundation on a existing foundation is, is the meaning there. And so, yes, we are to build ourselves up. Yes, we are to grow. Yes, we are to edify. But it is to be built up on an existing foundation. So something that is firm, something that is solid, right? Um, this is interesting picture because the Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. So speaking of Jesus Christ, he is our, as a church, our firm foundation, right? He is our sure foundation, I should say. He's not sinking sand. Um, and everything we build upon in our lives needs to be built up upon Jesus Christ. In other words, who he is. And so how do we know who he is? Well, it's through the word, Right? How do we know the word? Well, you read it. <laughs> you're here tonight because you want to know more of the word, so you're also taught it as well. Um, but uh, it's interesting. So according to verse 20 and 23, Jude is going to give us six things uh, that we are to build ourselves up on uh, with Jesus Christ being that firm foundation, that sure foundation. Uh, the first is, well, it's by faith. By faith, notice in verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, I love that. Don't you guys love that? We don't talk like that anymore. How cool is that? But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So the first thing he mentions that we are to be built up upon is our faith. And back in verse 3, he told us to what? Contend earnestly for the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, right? And, and, but now he's saying build yourselves up on your most holy faith. And the word holy, we know that word, right? It means set apart, consecrated. Um, so our faith is to be holy. Our faith is to be consecrated. In other words, it's to be set apart from others and, and everything else. There's other people that put their faith in stuff, or they put their faith in a person. Um, I was talking to Romy, I don't know if you guys know Romy, um, does the, teaches the senior study, but he was explaining to me yesterday, he's like, oh, you know, here's the child, little child, and, and then the dad says, come to papa. <laughs> and the poor child jumps out thinking it's going to be caught and then falls on the floor, and not a little baby, but a child, right? A child. Um, and then, and then he picks him back up, does it again. He's like, come to Papa. And then the baby, or the child, sorry, uh, falls on the floor and he does it a third time. And then the child falls and the, the child's like, well, what are you doing? He's, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and I, he explained it in a, the weird Italian voice that he does. I wish I could do it, but I don't have that accent. Um, but it, he said, uh, what did he say? He was like, well, that's why you shouldn't, you don't trust in any man. You trust in Jesus and him alone. It was like, oh, that's so messed up to teach that that way. <laughs> I know I got one of my friends, actually. Um, there was a little, what was that, the emergency lights, right? The little red triangle, little, it was a button. 
And uh, every time I'd give him a ride for a whole year and a half about, uh, I would say, that's my turbo button. So don't ever push that. That's, that activates the turbo. He's like, you're lying. And he didn't know what it was. And every time he pushed it, I would just step on the gas. And so the whole car's like, oh. And I was like, Jacob, what are you doing? <laughs> but I, I thought it was hilarious. So I carried it on the next day and the next week and the next month. And then at the end of, I think I told my, my wife was just like, Josh, you need to tell him. <laughs> So I finally told him, he was like, what? <laughs> you, that was horrible. That was a good, good one. But um, uh, let's come back to, uh, oh, so the question is, how do you and I build ourselves up in the faith? In fact, turn with me to Romans 10 really quick. Romans chapter 10. Um, there's a lot of weird, wacky kind of stuff in the church today, and there's a lot of people out there trying to tell us, you know, how to build our most holy faith, right? As if it's up to us, as if something we can do on our part. Uh, building up our faith, understand, is not based on our performance. It's not based on who you are, what you can bring, trying to tell uh I don't know. It's not based on any of us. It's not based on, it's only based on solely, really, uh, on the word of God. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Look at Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 17. For those of you who don't want to turn your pages, got it right here. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there it is. How are we built up on our most holy faith? It's through the word of God. It's not a hype and it's not some type of gadget and some type of disco light that comes down and do, 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 right? Big speakers. It's none of that stuff, right? It's all about, it's the word of God. Unfortunately, there is men in the church that they, they go for all this stuff, right? And they, they think your faith will be increased somehow, uh, having all this weird, wacky stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't even want to go into it. Every time I even attempt it, it's like, blah. <laughs> it just, there's a disgust in there where it's like, it's so sad. But they're, they're, they're thinking of some, somehow we can capture uh, the people and, and draw them to the church by all this flashy, you know, stuff, and, and somehow that we're going to get them saved, right, at, at some point. But salvation, it doesn't come through the eyes. It comes through the ears, which is interesting because all that effort and all that they're, you know, investing in on their, their part is wrong. And in the end, they're like, what happened? How did we fail? Let's all get together. What did we, let's make it brighter this time, right? Let's put more advertisement out there. No, no, no. It's faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God, right? Which is interesting. There's, there's power in the word of, we know Hebrews 4.12, right? It's, it's sharper than two-edged sword. It's anything else, right? It's, it's, it's the only, the word of God is able to pierce to the heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read many books in my day, right? And there's not much books but the word of God that can measure up as far as when it comes to piercing my heart, right? Where it's like, oh, it, it really, read the word and you'll find out. It'll get you. Um, but 
This is why we place a high importance on the word of God here at this church. And we need to study from Genesis to Revelation. We need to get the whole counsel of the word of God, right? Not skipping and jumping and flipping and turning, right? We need to stick to the word of God. I'm so thankful for this church and for other churches. Did you guys, can you guys tell? Like, I was just thinking about it last night. The churches that teach doctrinally, right? That are chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Look at their worship team. And I just, I'm just saying, but for me, this is my observation. But those that teach through the word of God and are giving the whole counsel of God, the doctrine of the word, don't you see it in the worship team? Look at the lyrics of the worship teams at those churches, at our church, and you can see the strong lyrics, the strong doctrine that is within their songs. Um, if you look at other churches that are just very watered down, diluted, they're skipping and jumping and hopping, right? And it's all about storytelling and whatnot. Look at their worship. They're, they don't got any doctrine. They got two words in their whole song over and over and over and over because that's all they got. Like, think about it. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. It's, their worship is not as doctrinal as it used to be anymore. So, Something I thought was interesting and I'm thankful for. Um, but let's come to the next. The second thing involves prayer. Prayer. Praying in the Holy Spirit in verse 20. Uh, so we are to build ourselves up in prayer as well. as Jesus being our foundation. And this involves praying in the Spirit. What does that even mean, right? Our, our prayers need to line up. Number one, I know for sure with the will of God, that's an obvious, right? Uh, I need direction. I need guidance and uh, to lead me and direct my life, right? And that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, uh, even when I'm praying. The, the word says that he'll give me the words I need to say, basically, right? And, and also, when I don't have any words to say, when I'm weak, he is strong. And, and the Bible even says that the Spirit even utters words out of it, which is like, whoa, the groaning, right, of the, of the spirit. It's just like, whoosh. there's so much beyond that I can give you tonight about prayer that we, we would be here all night. But what I do know is First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What's his will? Well, his general will is from Genesis to Revelation. It's all right here in the word of God, right? Um, this thing is so heavy. By the, I was driving the truck, and you know, it's got that, I put the Bible on the passenger seat, and the, the seatbelt light came on as if someone's sitting there. I was like, oh man, I really got to get a lighter Bible. <laughs> That's not good. Um, but it's, it's the word of God, right? And, and uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it says, Father, if it is your will, Jesus said, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to bring our prayers really in line with the word of God. Uh, if we reject the Holy Spirit and try to pray, it just doesn't work. It's like, who are you talking to, man? <laughs> He doesn't hear your prayer if you're in sin as well. So we got to be in the spirit. Uh, in other words, uh, well, 
that's a whole study right there, but I, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Let's come to the third area uh, where to be built up upon, and it is love. It's love. In verse 21, uh, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Does this mean keeping ourselves in God's love or keeping ourselves in the love of God? Yes, I think it's both. It's correct, right? Um, it, it's, uh, it's amazing. Should we keep ourselves? Should we watch over ourselves? Should we protect and be aware of ourselves as it pertains to the, the God's love for us? Yes, of course we should, right? So does God love us? Well, yeah, right? The best demonstration that love is ever that mankind's ever known of love is the cross and what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. We need to be aware, watch out, and as it pertains to the love of Christ. We, we're busy people. I mean, we got things to do. We got relationships. We got parties to go to. We got, right? There's all, we got work to go to. I got this and that going on in my life, etc. Relationships, but, um, and if you don't have all that, just hold up. You, you will, right? But the problem is we, we get our eyes off of the, where it should be, right? Which is on the Lord. And we get our eyes more on the stuff, and then we begin to fall back, right? We begin to fall apart. But when the more we fix our eyes on Jesus, everything falls into place. And it's like a... Oh, Right, it just it just feels great um, when we get our priorities right. And number one, what is our priority? It's got to be God. Number two is the other right others right. But number one needs to stay as God. We need to abide in Him and Him alone. Um, it's all about the love of God. Now let's come to the fourth area we are to be built up on is. Mercy, mercy. Notice in verse 21, it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. Now this word looking for, it means diligently, right? You're searching out, you're continually watching. Uh, it's not just a glance, right, or a look at really quick. It, it, it's, it's looking closely at, it's looking faithfully into, it's looking diligently into. Uh, it for what? For mercy. We as believers ought to be looking for the mercy of God. And I thought this was interesting because it's the mercy of, of God onto our eternal life, really, that we ought to be looking at. We're, we're to be looking di- diligently, faithfully, continually into the mercy of God as it pertains to eternal life. Uh, Paul said in Titus 2.13, he says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when will the mercy of God ultimately be realized in our lives as a believer um, as it pertains to eternity uh, it's it's at our death it's when we die we're ultimately going to realize God's mercy on our lives uh, to the full extent I guess you can say Uh, and I think it speaks of the rapture of the church as well you guys all know these verses right first Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 it says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Man, I'm always expecting to read this, and then I just hear that trumpet sound. Are, are you guys like that? I just I always stop right there. Okay, now would be a good time. All right, no, it's all right. 
But it says after that, right, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So at that point in time, we will ultimately realize to the full extent God's mercy upon our lives. In other words, he's allowing us into eternal life, right? He's, he's not going to give us the punishment that's really due us, right? He's get, we're getting what we don't deserve, uh, and, and uh, that's heaven. We don't deserve to be in heaven. Amen, church? Amen. Um, let's come to the fifth area. We are to be built up on uh, compassion. Compassion, verse 22, it says, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, so on some people, we're to be built up uh, upon, on, uh, really on Christ's foundation and dealing with compassion toward other people. Now these certain men, remember back in verse uh, 4 and verse 16, uh, talking about, and it's explaining all the way up to verse 16 about these men and on now, we're, we're still in it, but um, they're causing a lot of people to really get off track, right? To get just, just to go astray in their walk with the Lord. And when we see this happen, how do we get those people back, right? How do we go up to them and approach them and, and say, hey, what you're following is, you know, there's that part of you that wants to get in the flesh and they're like, get out, get out. Why are you listening to that stuff? But it's through compassion that we reach out to these people, right? How do we witness to them? How do we minister to these type of people? How do we pull them out of the fire in, in a sense? It's through compassion. Uh, and they're, they're, they're sheep without a shepherd, right? And we need to be compassionate toward them. Jesus was compassionate toward them. He said in Romans 2, 4, he says, Or do you... Um, despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and there it is. Are you despising God's goodness? Are you despising his forbearance? And long-suffering, because he's long-suffering toward these people, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So the wrath of man uh, does not produce the righteousness of God. I don't care how much you try to beat it into them, it's not going to happen, right? It's, it's a heart issue, and it's about prayer, reaching people through prayer, because it's a spiritual issue, right? And, and through prayer, now as you speak to them, you ought to be speaking with compassion in your heart. So, uh, and th- so obviously, don't be quick to rebuke them, right? Just be compassionate, be patient, be uh, careful with them. Uh, next, it involves fear. It involves fear. Uh, oh, I didn't put it up here. But... Uh, it says on verse, in verse 22, it says on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So there are some people that have strayed so far from the Lord, uh, and because of these false teachers, they are in danger of hell fire. And we need to pull them out, in a sense, by how? What's our attitude in the fear of God? Right, we be we ought to be like, whoa, Lord, is I right to even think that I can do anything for you? Right, we need to be in the spirit, in a sense, right, and understand what who God is. I mean, that alone ought to bring the fear of God in you. Uh, as you read through the Word and understand who God is, 
it puts you in a place uh, of humility, and that's where we ought to stay, right? Um, but the good news is, when we come up to people, is the gospel, right? And that's easy to present, the good news. But there's also a flip side. There's the bad news. That's the contrast to good news. The good news, Jesus Christ came into the world, died upon the cross, that we might be saved, right? And have a relationship with him if we would believe in him, in the name of Jesus. In other words, when I say in in Jesus, what does that mean? Well, it's everything that Jesus said he is. He said that he's God Almighty, that he came in the flesh. And so as you believe in who Jesus says he is and what he desires his will is for our lives, uh, as you submit to that uh, and understand that he rose again the third day, right? As we repented of our sins, we turned to the Lord, we confessed our sins to him, and and, uh, now he comes into our lives and just changed our lives, right? The way we think changed, boom, heart, boom. Everything changed, some for some it's fast, for some it's slower, but uh, it's, it, everything literally, it's like you're, you never seen before with your eyes, and all of a sudden, you see things a whole lot different. It's a whole nother life. All of a sudden, you have joy. Where'd that come from? Because <laughs> you're born again. But we also gotta let them know that there is a hell, a place where it was created, not for the humans, but uh, for the fallen angels, right? And But we, as human beings, volunteer to go there. Oh, I'll go. How? By rejecting Jesus Christ. And that's a scary place to be in. Um, so there's a balance in our witnessing. And to, to those who are astray and, and, and have fallen far away, um, or to those who are they're being, being deceived, basically, we need the Holy Spirit to show us, right? To give us that discernment on who exactly those people are. Um, so very interesting, uh, another subject we could stay in forever, uh, but let's come to the last subject here, and it's moreover Jesus, right, in verses 24 and 25, we'll just conclude with this, the whole point is we need to be focused on Jesus, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, we need to remember Jesus, why, right, well, I'll give you guys 10 reasons why we should keep our eyes focused on Jesus, notice in verse 24, he keeps us from stumbling, Right? That's the first. This is now to him, to Jesus, who is able, well, that alone, I'm already done, right? He is able to do it. I'm not able, but he is. To do what? To keep us. He's able to keep us, to preserve us, to he who began a good work in you will complete it until the very end, right? But he's able to keep you from stumbling. And who keeps us from stumbling? It's Jesus, right? And this word stumbling, it's only used here, nowhere else in the New Testament, uh, carries the idea of a horse who is sure-footed. In other words, the horse doesn't fall, right? I remember I went to Colorado with my wife and uh, we did a three-hour horse ride and uh, we're on the edge of this like cliff on the sides of the mountains there in Colorado and these horses are like, they're just, there's no worry in the world. They're like, oh, a little, a cliff? They're fearless. They could care less. They're just, and I'm on top and of course it ended horrible because the whole time I had, it was a long trip to get there and I had to use the restroom so bad. And I thought there was a restroom in the beginning. And then I figured, oh, we had to get on these horses really quick. So maybe we're going to a pit stop somewhere. And so for three hours, I was like, oh, it was horrible. Uh, so I didn't really enjoy it. But but what I did think of was those horses like, man, I hope I don't fall. And uh, But they, they had good, they were sure-footed. So that's this word right here for stumbling. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, anyways. Um, 
but it's, it's Jesus that keeps us in our Christian walk, right? It's sure-footed, in other words, right? He keeps us from stumbling, and we need to remember Jesus at all times. And we may fail, but we'll never hit the ground, right? We're going we're gonna to fail a lot of things. We're going to fall, but you'll never splat, because <laughs> he keeps us. He holds us. Uh, secondly, he presents us faultless in verse 24, and to present you faultless. This word faultless means without rebuke, without blame, uh, without blemish, without spots, right? All of us will stand before the Lord as believers, right? Before the bema seat of God, we will we'll all be judged before the Lord. And we're gonna, we don't have to stand in our own faults before the Lord. So how does God make us faultless? Well, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, made having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to what? To present you holy and to present you blameless and to present you above reproach in his sights. Amen? Amen to that. I love it. It's by the cross. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we need to stay focused. We need to stay in tune, in a sense, uh, to Jesus because it's all about him. And do you guys believe that Jesus is able to make you faultless before his presence? Do you really believe that? Because I do. Right? That's all we can do is rely upon the word of God because there really is nothing else to rely on. Right? There's really nothing else to put your faith in. But by you putting your faith in him, even though you haven't seen him, you're more blessed by those who did see him. You have Because you have faith in him, it's just it's amazing. It's so cool. Third, he brings exceeding joy. Notice in verse 24, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy joy. Now, our joy is not based on circumstances. Our joy is based on Jesus in our life, right? He, oh, he, he is, and uh, it, oh, I don't even, oh, there's a whole bunch of information going through my head right now. It's, uh, he's our joy, right? And it's amazing. There's joy in the Lord. He's our joy. No matter what we're going through or dealing with, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, He's our joy in the midst of all of it, right? So it doesn't mean going and, and being rich, and then I'll have joy. No, it's, it's not going, and then I'm going to go laugh at my friends, and then I'll have joy. No, that's a feeling, which is happiness, right? Joy is a whole nother ball game, and it can only come from the Lord. And until then, you'll understand it, right? Um, let's come to the next. Number four, he is Savior. Notice in verse 25, it says, to God our Savior. Now, Savior, Jesus saved us from what? Well, he saved us from, well, the world, from the enemy, and really from ourselves. Those are the three that come against us that really want to tear us apart and bring us down from following our, our uh, really, 
It wants to lead us on a path that leads to hell, basically. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins that we might have a relationship with him. That was the whole purpose. And as Christians, we are to imitate who? Jesus, right? We're called to. He allowed, uh, we ought to allow Christ to live in us, right? And allow him to do his work in and through us, right? And, uh, and he will. He'll work all things in our lives as we abide in him, uh, for the good, right? For what is good in our life. So it's his holiness, his righteousness, it's his life, really, uh, that it will be shown in us as we're following him, as we're imitating him, as we're uh, continually just allowing, just allow him to breathe and just do his work in and through your life. Um, all people, we understand, are sinners, meaning, in other words, we've all broken the law, right? When I say we're all sinners, would you guys all agree that we're sinners? I don't want to do an audience, because some of you will be like, no, not me. <laughs> Seriously, I was out here in College Road, and there's a, a lot of people, the majority of when I witnessed, they're like, no, I'm not a sinner, right? It's like, <laughs> All right, let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Let me show you some stuff here. But the law is not a, the law uh, unless there is punishment for those who broke the law, right? And only God can satisfy the law. And he did, by the way, because he took up uh, himself, he took our punishment upon the cross for us. In other words, the, the Bible says, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree, right? He took and became the curse for us. He satisfied death, in other words. He fulfilled uh, his word, really. And when we understood that, we, we as believers, we, you know, we, we, we confessed our sins. We were forgiven at that very point. We believed on him, and, and, and our eyes were made right with Christ, right? We begin to see things differently, but he is the judge, the ultimate judge of the law. He's the one who gave and wrote the law, right? So when we repented of our sins, he forgave us, right? And we understood that he what he did as he took it on the cross. But Jesus thus became our savior and saving us from what? Death, which is ultimately separation from God. And we entered into this relationship with the Lord and he became sin for us. In other words, he fulfilled the law, right? And that this is what, uh, why as believers, we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Isn't that cool? We're, we're no longer under condemnation, if you will, but we're under grace, which is, it's, it's amazing. Um, let's come to the fifth thing here. He is wise. Verse 25, notice it says, who alone is wise. And who alone is wise? Jesus, right? Uh, we like to think of ourselves as wise, and don't get me wrong, you guys are a wise bunch of people, right? And, and very intelligent. But uh, let me tell you guys a little secret. Did you guys know that the, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God? That's cool. I like that. Uh, it's amazing as we, we like to think ourselves as wise, but really our wisdom that we can attain as mankind is like foolishness to God. That's it's, it. Speaks of the contrast of who, how much wisdom God has. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, to God, who alone is wise, right? And be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, in Colossians two three, it says, "In whom are hidden all the treasures." 
of wisdom and knowledge. So he has all wisdom. There's no more wisdom that God can attain because he has it all, right? Uh, It's amazing. So he's also glorious. Uh, Notice in verse 25, be glory. That's the doxa, right? The Speaking of honorable or uh, excellent, magnificent, right? Uh, speaks of everything that God is and everything he does and the totality of his, uh, his character. In Romans eleven thirty six, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I love that. Um, obviously, we could talk a whole bunch about glory um, but we're not. So let's come to the seventh thing. He is majestic. He's majestic. Notice in verse 25, it says, and majestic, and it comes from the root word, megas. In other words, in the, it's where we get our same root word for in English for mega, right? And he made the universe, and we can say that God is mega. In other words, that God is huge, that God is, uh, he's, well, he's large and in charge, right? Um, but There's nothing and no one bigger than God himself. He is mega. And God is bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our circumstances. Amen, church? Uh, When I think about my problem, it's like the whole world, there's nothing bigger than what I'm going through, right? But then when I look at God and it's like, he looks at my little tiny little problem, right? And he's like, oh, Josh, you'll get over it tomorrow. Just go to bed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's a good thing. But let's come to the eighth thing here. He has dominion. He has dominion. Notice in verse 25, dominion. This is, this is power, strength, might. And God is not only big, he's strong, right? He's bigger and stronger than anyone and anything that would come against him. And nothing we know if we're in him can come against us, which is awesome. Uh, the ninth thing is he has power. He has power, power. This is uh, authority, jurisdiction. This is control. Uh, It's not speaking about strength. It's speaking about being in control and in charge over something or someone, right? And so God is in absolute control. He's in absolute authority. It's all him. It's all God. Uh, And last but not least, number 10, he has eternity. Notice in verse 25, it says, both now and forever, Amen. So he has eternity. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, right? That's Jesus. And I know in in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love that, right? He's no different than he was with his interactions with people in Genesis, in Psalm, in Matthew. From all the way up to Revelation, he's the same as he was before. It's, it's just, but he's, he's not going to change because he's got eternity in his hand and he knows what he's doing, right? So it would just make sense that we trust him for our eternity, right? When we step in, the moment you close these eyes, right, and our heart goes, boom, we're, we're present with the Lord. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing time um, for those who believe in him. So I challenge you, if you don't believe in the Lord, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, um, I would just challenge you. I double doggy dare you. You guys remember that in elementary school? You do! (laughs) I dare you. I dare you tonight. Go before the... Don't do any scenery thing tonight right here. But if you want to, I'm here to pray for you. But... 
at night, just before you go to bed, pray and ask the Lord, hey, Lord, if that crazy guy I was listening to today, if he's telling the truth, right, that you really love me and that you really are God Almighty, that you came in the flesh, uh, that you did die on the cross for my sins, then I pray and I ask that you would come in my heart, that you would change my life, that you would make yourself evident and real. And guess what, guys? A simple, just a heart, right, by faith, believing in who he is, I just challenge you and watch and see what might happen, right? And uh, it's going to be amazing. And if you do, I want to hear about it. I want you to tell me about it. And I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But with that, uh, why don't you guys stand up and let's pray. Um, And I I try to take my time on purpose, believe it or not. They told me to go until 8. Is it 8? I can't even see that thing. Uh, But um, anyways, let's pray. Lord, Thank you so much uh, for your word, Lord. Uh, Truly, you are amazing, Lord. And all strength and power, authority, all belong to you. We thank you, Lord, uh, for Jude. We thank you that you gave us this letter as an encouragement to see the contrast of those who are on a mission. They're ambassadors for the enemy, speaking forth words that are not only evil, uh, but they're very sly with their words, and they... Uh, come in and they they devastate souls, Lord, before you, whom you died for, people who you want to be in eternity with you. Uh, they come in and, and, and take them away. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would capture our hearts, Lord, so much so that we would just be so in love with you, um, that we would know you, Lord, that we would seek your word and that we would trust you with our salvation, that we would know without a doubt uh, that, that uh, Lord, you got everything in your hands. And so we love you. I pray you go with everybody tonight, Lord, as we make our way, um, that you just bless the rest of this night, Lord, that we would, um, Lord, that we would continue to press forward in our walks with you. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And God is not only big, he's strong, right? He's bigger and stronger than anyone and anything that would come against him. And nothing we know if we're in him can come against us, which is awesome. Uh, The ninth thing is he has power. He has power, power. This is uh, authority, jurisdiction. This is control. Uh, it's not speaking about strength. It's speaking about being in control and in charge over something or someone, right? And so God is in absolute control. He's in absolute authority. It's all him. It's all God. Uh, and last but not least, number 10, he has eternity. Notice in verse 25, it says, both now and forever a man. So he has eternity. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, right? That's Jesus. And I know in, in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love that, right? He's no different than he was with his interactions with people in Genesis, in Psalm, in Matthew. From all the way up to Revelation, he's the same as he was before. It's, it's just, but he's, he's not going to change because he's got eternity in his hand and he knows what he's doing, right? So it would just make sense that we trust him for our eternity, right? When we step in, the moment you close these eyes, right, and our heart goes, 
boom, we're, we're present with the Lord. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing time um, for those who believe in him. So I challenge you, if you don't believe in the Lord, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, um, I would just challenge you. I double doggy dare you. You guys remember that in elementary school? You do! Oh! <laughs> I dare you. I dare you tonight. Go before the... Don't do any scenery thing tonight right here. But if you want to, I'm here to pray for you. But... At night, just before you go to bed, pray and ask the Lord, hey, Lord, if that crazy guy I was listening to today, if he's telling the truth, right, that you really love me and that you really are God Almighty, that you came in the flesh, uh, that you did die on the cross for my sins, then I pray and I ask that you would come in my heart, that you would change my life, that you would make yourself evident and real. And guess what, guys? A simple, just a heart, right, by faith, believing in who he is, I just challenge you and watch and see what might happen, right? And uh, it's going to be amazing. And if you do, I want to hear about it. I want you to tell me about it. And I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But with that, uh, why don't you guys stand up and let's pray. Um, And I I try to take my time on purpose, believe it or not. They told me to go until 8. Is it 8? I can't even see that thing. Uh, But um, anyways, let's pray. Lord, Thank you so much uh, for your word, Lord. Uh, Truly, you are amazing, Lord. And all strength and power, authority, all belong to you. We thank you, Lord, uh, for Jude. We thank you that you gave us this letter as an encouragement to see the contrast of those who are on a mission. They're ambassadors for the enemy, speaking forth words that are not only evil, uh, but they're very sly with their words, and they... Uh, come in and they they devastate souls, Lord, before you, whom you died for, people who you want to be in eternity with you. Uh, they come in and, and, and take them away. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would capture our hearts, Lord, so much so that we would just be so in love with you, um, that we would know you, Lord, that we would seek your word and that we would trust you with our salvation, that we would know without a doubt uh, that, that uh, Lord, you got everything in your hands. And so we love you. I pray you go with everybody tonight, Lord, as we make our way, um, that you just bless the rest of this night, Lord, that we would, um, Lord, that we would continue to press forward in our walks with you. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.